at just one verse for now, and we'll look at another one here in just a little bit. But I want to speak to you tonight about a powerful promise. We, You know, I often talk about God's precious promises. Well, this is a powerful promise. Verse 15, where the Lord says, And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. This verse is known as Robinson Crusoe's text, and it's really hard to imagine anyone who hasn't read the story of Robinson Crusoe, I, but as, as sure as I say that, I realize we live in, in, in a different times than when I was growing up, when, you know, when I was growing up, that was just nearly a required reading for people, along with the boxcar children and, you know, some things like that, but... Uh, Anyway, it was a novel that was written in 1719, so it's been around a lot of years. It describes a man who was shipwrecked. There's a lot of interesting story that goes on before the shipwreck took place, but uh, finally, uh, here's a guy that didn't listen to mom and dad or anything else, launched out against their will and so forth, and as I understand it, uh, was was actually on a trip and going to either transport slaves or go get slaves, whatever the case might be. But it, it ended up that he was shipwrecked out on a desert island and uh, all alone. And after many different experiences, he got sick. He had a, had a burning fever and was near unto death. And finally, finally he opened up a Bible that was in the chest that he, he happened to secure from the salvage uh, from the shipwreck and he opens it up to this verse that I just read that totally literally changed his life and he become a believer and eventually was delivered now your story and my story is different I don't know anybody that shipwrecked on an island tonight nobody so our experience is different but we all have needs, as I talked about this morning, uh, you know, all, all different kinds of needs in our life. And I don't think there's anybody here tonight that could say, well, I don't have any troubles whatsoever. Uh, I, I, if that's the case, I want to know about it. Anybody here tonight say, yep, no troubles with me, none, you know, not me, not my family. There are no problems, you know, in my life. And so uh, if you're not, experiencing any problems just hang on because you will be before very long because it happens to everyone it's common to all as we learn in job 14 1 so that being the case then this verse ought to get our attention i was thinking the other day of different things i would like to preach and i know there's some you know that probably it's been a long time since we preached messages about prophecy and different things that are of interest to people but uh, some way some way or another the lord has just kept me focused on some real basic issues i spent several weeks talking about the uh, the subject of love and, and you know god nearly had to slap my hands to get me off of that for a week or two and now it seems to have to do with hardships troubles problems and the need for faith and the need for prayer and so 
Uh, I had a message that um, I don't know if I'll preach it next week or, or when, but probably in the near future. On The title is just It. It. And, uh, and, and it has to do with God meeting our needs through prayer. And uh, the four things here tonight that I want you to notice in this verse that are of great importance. First of all, when we look at this verse, we see a grievous adversity grievous adversity notice he says the day of trouble and troubles come in all different kinds of forms right it can be physical it can be something that is emotional it can be something that is spiritual it can be domestic it can be vocational but it just runs the gamut so troubles can come in many different forms and troubles come in many different degrees somebody might have you know a particular problem and somebody else say oh yeah i know what you're going through i had that last week well maybe you did but you don't understand what they're going through because you know whether it's a whether it's a toothache or a headache or a broken bone or whatever it is uh, troubles come to us in different degrees so we never know exactly how the other person feels and also troubles come at various times in our life whether we're young or whether we're old and it might be something that has been tormenting you for years i mean this is something that you've never been able to break away from you had this same problem 10 years or 20 or 30 years ago you had this problem when i talk about a problem i'm not necessarily talking about some sin in your life i'm talking about a difficulty an affliction a problem of some kind and it's been there all of all of these years for others it might be something that just arrived today i mean something maybe you've been dreading for years but by the grace of god you've escaped it and all of a sudden it just hit you full force today or this week but Whatever the case, it's here now. Something maybe then that you never even dreamed of, you know, because your troubles might be different than what my trouble is, but it's trouble nevertheless. And you've seen others that had this particular problem, but you never thought it would come your way. You know, that's them, you know. I'll never have to worry about that. You know, we don't have any history of that in our family and so forth. And so it's not something that I'll have to worry about. And then all of a sudden, you go to the doctor and he says, yeah, it, it's cancer. Uh, or, yeah, you have heart disease or whatever it might be, you see. So troubles, troubles come and they are grievous not so much that they rack our body with pain, but they can be grievous in other ways. It might be a wayward child. It might be a, a loved one that's out of the will of God and suffering. And because they're suffering, you're suffering. So he speaks about these grievous uh, adversities in our life here. The day of trouble. But then notice he also gives some good advice. He says, and call upon me. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I read that and I think to myself, we shouldn't need to be told to do that. Why should anyone have to tell us to call upon God in the day of trouble? Prayer for the Christian ought to be as natural as breathing. The Bible says we're to pray without ceasing, right? Yeah. If you're not breathing here tonight, you say, well, I haven't breathed in the last hour. <laughs> well... Uh, you know, I, I, I doubt that. But if you're having a problem breathing, you've, you've got a problem. 
And prayer ought to be that natural for those of us that are Christians that we call upon the Lord and that we commune with Him in prayer. It'd be folly not to do so, to just, you know, just surmise that, oh, well, other people might need to pray, but everything's going pretty good for me. I got a raise last week. You know, I've lost a few pounds. I'm feeling better now, so I don't see any big need in praying. Well... You know, this is more than advice. It's more than an invitation. This is a command. And we're not in the will of God unless we obey. By the way, if you're not praying, that just might be the reason that you have a problem. Think about that. If you're not praying, you know, a lot of times we act really surprised whenever some trouble crops up in our life. We wonder, wow, wonder why that happened. And we haven't been spending any time in prayer. You know, prevention's a whole lot better than cure. And I'm convinced if we would pray more that we'd, uh, you know, that we'd have a lot less problems in our life. So this is a command that we are to obey. And it's a command that's repeated over and over and over throughout the Bible. So it's not a matter of, you know, take it or leave it or whether you feel like it or not. We have a responsibility before God to call upon Him. But remember, this is not the only command. You've often heard me make the comment, everything, everything depends on prayer. And I believe that. Because whatever we do, if we don't do it with prayer, we cannot expect it to be successful. So everything depends upon prayer. But there are more things in our life than just prayer. Somebody said, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to pray. That's important. Everything depends on it. Brother Stone said so, so I'm going to pray. And you don't do anything else, you're going to find yourself in trouble, right? Amen. There's sometimes you need to fix a broken water pipe more than you do pray. Whatever the problem is, whatever the difficulty is, it's something that we need to deal with it. Notice notice how this verse starts here. And so many times we overlook this, but look at the word and. Why would that be there? Well, it's a conjunction, and it looks back at the verse before. What did he say in verse 14? We cannot, we cannot just look at verse 15 without looking at verse 14, which says, Offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay thy vows unto the Most High, and... Call upon me in the day of trouble. In other words, we can't just talk about one thing if we want out of the day of trouble or get through the day of trouble. We've got to talk about three things. Three things that are mentioned here. Notice what they are. Number one, he says we've got to present our sacrifice of thanksgiving. You know, it's one thing, listen carefully, it's one thing to be thankful, another thing to give thanksgiving. Somebody said, well, I'm really thankful in my heart, but that's not thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is when you express in some way the thankfulness that you have in your heart. And so we're to do that. And then notice he says here, we're what? We're to pay our vows unto the Lord. And boy, we can get ourselves in a heap of trouble if we don't do that. You know, to make vows unto the Lord is better not to vow than to vow and not pay, the Bible says. And then, thirdly, he says, pray. Pray. 
So we offer up the sacrifice of thanksgiving to God. We pay our vows and we pray. Those are the three things. The question is, are you? Think about that. You know, sometimes we say, well, boy, I'm really, I'm really praying and that ought to keep me out of trouble. Well, what about the other two? Are you giving thanks to God for all of your blessings? A lot of times we forget about that. You know, we go to the Lord in prayer. And, Lord, we need this and we need that. And oh, by the way, the kids need something too. And, and we've, got, we've got our list of things that, that we want and things that we want to do. And so we don't have any problem going to God in prayer, asking for those things in our life. But sometimes we make the mistake of doing that without ever giving thanks to God for what we've already got. If we'd be more thankful, I think we'd have to pray less about things that we need. So he starts with that, thanksgiving. Then he says, pay your vows unto God. We can't just do one and ignore the others, folks. All of these are important elements in us dealing with the trouble in our life. And we need to ask ourselves, am I? Am I doing that? Am I expressing my thanksgiving on a regular basis? Am I paying my vows unto God? Am I, am I calling upon the Lord? Are you? Then notice the third thing here. There's this word of great assurance. Good advice, but now here's the great assurance. He says, I will. Man, we could just stop right there and, and think about a lot of different things. God said, I will. And when God says He will, He will. Amen. Notice He says, in this case, I will deliver thee. Now, I look at that and, you know, He's talking about a day of trouble. He doesn't... Uh, he doesn't qualify that. You know, he added a lot of things to it. You know, I, I will deliver you if it's related to this or related to that. I might deliver you if it's something else over there or I won't deliver you. But this is just a blanket statement. Call upon me in the day of trouble, regardless of the nature of the trouble. You call upon me and he says, I will deliver thee. Boy, that's a precious promise that ought to encourage all of us to pray why why should we need a lecture on prayer why should somebody have to rebuke us for not praying we just look at a promise like that and think how can i not pray when i've got a promise like that and and it's just one of the many many promises related to to prayer let me, let me mention just one that as i was thinking about this message earlier today there's one promise that just Leaped out at me, found in Mark chapter 11 and verse 24. Listen to what the Lord says. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, when ye pray, he's assuming we will, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. How about that? Isn't that great? When you pray, just believe you'll receive them and you shall have them. That's wonderful, but we need to pay attention to the details here. It isn't enough to just beg. A lot of times I use the word beg in reference to prayer because that's, that's what praying is all about. We're begging as it were. We're intently asking God to do something here. And it's not enough to just beg. We also must believe. 
James, you know, talks about that. The Bible talks about that. That whenever we pray, we're to pray in faith. And by the way, we can't get whatever we desire just because we want it. Faith is based on God's promises. You hear people, some some of these TV preachers and so forth, talk about the fact you can get anything you want through prayer. Oh, if you'll just believe in your heart that it's yours, you can name it, you can claim it, and God's obligated to give it to you. No, no, we don't get what we want just because we want it, because faith is based on God's promises, not our pleasure. Amen. So it's not, you know, something's going to bring us pleasure. You know, it's a promise that God has given, and we can't expect God to give us something that's contrary to His will. So whenever He says, you know, ask whatever you desire, He's not just giving us a blank check and say, you know, I don't care what it is, you know, you want a fifth of whiskey or whatever, I'll give it to you, no. This is talking about things, things that are within the will of God, and surely... If we're praying to God, if we're a child of God, we don't want something that's contrary to the will of God in our life. And so here we see that that God's will to gain an answer to our prayer, God's will has to become a priority. And we have to believe. Let, let me turn over to James and some of the verses that I was talking about earlier. Look at the first chapter of James and We'll begin in about, I think it's verse number 4, where he says, But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect, entire, wanting nothing. But if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given unto him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. That's just one of the many verses that relates to our need to, to believe that God's going to answer our prayers. Don't blame God if you don't have what you need, if you're not praying and believing and obeying. Because those go together. We, if we really believe, like I said this morning, faith, you know, is, is active. Faith does something. It changes you and it changes what you do. How many of you, how many of you know what Jeremiah 33, 3 says? Anybody? All right. Quote, quote that for us. Amen. You get an A plus for that. Oh, call upon me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. It, wow. That, that, that's one of those promises that just knock you off of your feet. Now, that's a promise from God who is deeply concerned about our welfare. So how can we not call upon Him? So many times, you know, we complain about, well, this didn't go my way. It didn't work out. And so forth. And I'm not talking just about adults. This goes all the way back to, to young people that are dealing with difficulties. It might be a relationship that, you know, it just didn't work out. Well, did you pray about it? Or you didn't get that job that you, you so desperately wanted. Did you pray about it? I mean, really pray about it. You see, if we look, if we don't pray about these matters, then we can't blame God when everything goes south. 
Whenever we all of a sudden we find ourselves in a whole mess of trouble, we can't blame God, you know. We didn't ask God or we didn't believe God or we didn't obey God. So here is this great assurance for those who will pray believingly and behave in accordance to God's will. And when we do that, we can rest assured that God is going to answer our prayer in the best possible way. A lot of times God answers our prayer and we don't think He did. You know, God answers our prayer. He gives us really what we need, but we thought we needed something else. God always does, you know, what is best for us, you know, and sometimes it's not what we were looking for. Now, there's one more thing here I want you to notice, and that's the glorious accomplishment. Notice what He says. This is... In some ways, the most important part of our text. Notice, call upon me in the day of trouble. Notice, and I will deliver thee. That's the great assurance. But here's the glorious accomplishment. Thou shalt glorify me. Wow. That's our God-given purpose in life. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. If we're not going to glorify God, there's no reason for us to be here on this earth. But if we fail here, we have failed altogether. doesn't make any difference how popular we are, how rich we are. doesn't make any difference, you know, we can travel the world and see all of the sights and do all of the things that we enjoy most. You know, we fulfill our bucket list, you know, and we think to ourselves, wow, I'm just a great success. No, you're a total, total failure if your life doesn't bring glory to God. Now, we honor God whenever we express our trust in Him by asking Him for what we need. Boy, it would make me feel horrible if one of our eight children needed something. I'm not talking about their desires because they all of them have had, you know, they got their desires, they, they want this or that. But I'm talking about something they really needed. And it would be so embarrassing to me if they went down the street and asked some neighbor that I don't even know... Would you buy me a new pair of tennis shoes for school this year? I, I, I don't have any. Would, would you buy that for me? Well, why didn't you come to Daddy? You know, it, it's, look, it's an honor for a parent to be able to respond to the needs of their children. And whenever we think of God and the depth of His concern for us, it honors God whenever we come to Him with our problem or we come to Him with our need And it dishonors God whenever we don't because God loves to help His children. And when other people see God's answer to prayer, when they see our dependency upon God, they see the demonstration of God's goodness and His greatness. Like where He said, call upon me, you know, and and I'll show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And when God does that, Your next-door neighbor sees what God's doing in your life. So many times our manner of life makes the gospel repulsive to others. You know, we call ourselves a Christian. We attend church. You know, we don't do this and we don't do that and we don't do the other. And our co-worker, our neighbor, our classmate, they're focused on us. They're watching us. And as a result of that, you know, they're... They're repulsed by our profession of faith. Whereas on the other hand, 
when they see us living a life of dependence upon God, when they see that, that, that calmness in our soul, when they see that we are at peace, when they see that we are full of joy that only the Spirit of God can produce, all of a sudden they begin to realize there's something different about that person. Right? There's something, now we're in a position to where we can have an influence in their life. And we're supposed to, by the way, are, are we not? Aren't we the salt of the earth and the light of the world? That means we're to have an influence over others. To have that influence, we've got to do what the Word of God says. We've got to pray. We've got to pay our vows. We've got to praise Him and give Him thanks for the things that He has done because it changes us, and when it changes us, others begin to see that. Now, I want to close by saying something that everybody needs to remember. If our problem, our difficulty, our trouble, whatever it is, if it can bring glory to God, we ought not to complain about it. Think about that. There's a price for us to pay if we truly want to glorify God. Think about Jim Elliott and other missionaries, by the way, that have made such great sacrifices I mean, they've given up everything as it were here on this earth, and it even cost them their very lives. But for the sake of bringing glory to God, they were willing to do that. So God help us to not complain about difficulties, because trouble can be a means of us bringing glory to God. Can you imagine being around the Apostle Paul, hanging out with him for a day or two, just following him around, observing his life? watching his attitude toward his enemies and those that had hurt him so, seeing his devotion to his duty, although it was difficult, and just watching him, what an impression that would have made upon you. And it's like he said to the Corinthians, I I will gladly spend and be spent. That is, I will exhaust my life in service to you. Although I love you, the more you love me less. And still, even though they didn't love him, he said... I'm willing to just be spent for you, invest my life in you. And the reason behind it all was it might bring glory to God. So in that sense, adversity becomes an advantage. Adversity becomes an advantage because of what it accomplishes by way of bringing honor and glory to God. Boy, so many times when we're really going through deep waters and you can't but help think about Job, right? Think about the terrible things that Job went through. And you think about the fact that God allowed that. I mean, everything about that seemed unfair. I mean, here's a man who's better than any other man on the earth at that particular time. And there was absolutely no fault or no reason. That doesn't mean he was, that he was perfect, by the way. It doesn't mean that at all. We know that he wasn't. But he was head and shoulders above anybody else in that day. And even whenever Satan tried to bring accusations against him, he, could, he couldn't find any fault in Job. And God just opened up the door and said, uh, here, put him to the test. Now, you wouldn't think God would do that, right? I mean, you wouldn't think he would. But he did. He did. And the reason it seems so fair is because all of us, to some extent, are hung up on this idea that we deserve more and better 
We, we really do. We get that feeling, well, this is just unfair. You know, I love the Lord. I'm faithful to the Lord. It's just so unfair that God allowed me to get this disease or God allowed this problem to crop up in my life. It seems so unfair. And it's only when we come to the realization that we don't deserve anything. Nothing. This old nonsense of this self-love being promoted by liberals today is nothing more than nonsense. That's all it is. I've heard people say, well, how are we supposed to love God and love others if we don't love ourselves? I've heard preachers say that. They need to resign. Amen. Amen. We don't deserve anything, folks. It's like, like I've said before, the person that deserves a hanging shouldn't complain about a beating. And so whenever we come to the realization that here we are in a troubled world, with enemies all around us, the world and the flesh and the devil all trying to defeat us, and we don't deserve anything. And God in His wisdom allows certain things to happen in our life. It's not to destroy us, it's to give us the opportunity to fulfill His will for our life. And whenever we go through that with the right attitude which means accepting what God allows or appoints. That's the right attitude. I'm willing to accept it without any complaint. I don't understand it, but I know God doesn't make any mistake. And I know all things work together for good to those who love the Lord or the call according to His purpose. And some way or another, out of all of this, if I keep a sweet attitude, God's going to be glorified as a result of it. Many years ago, I would guess now it would be maybe 40, 45 years ago, someone wrote a, wrote a book entitled, Don't Waste Your Sorrows. And if we're not careful, we can do that, folks. We can waste our sorrows. There are times in our life that God allows sorrow to enter in. And God has a reason for it. It might be... It might be corrective. He's trying to correct something in our life. It might be preventive. God's trying to prevent something in our life. This is what it was with the Apostle Paul when he said, you know, Lord, would you take away this, this thorn in my flesh? And God said, no. And, and the reason God didn't is because he had been caught up into the third heaven and, and, and he did so, so Paul wouldn't boast. He wouldn't go around bragging like some have that, you know, started writing books about the fact that they died and went to heaven and come back. And it just bothers me. And I've had it happen several times. Somebody said, Brother Stone, have you read that book? No, I didn't. I'm not. I don't care. I don't believe them. They're lying. But you see, there are so many times that thing, these things happen and we, we don't understand it. We can't understand it. But we have to believe with all of my, our heart that the God who cannot lie promised. He promised that it is for some good in some way in our life. And that ought to be good enough for us because it brings glory to God. And what a powerful, powerful promise this is. Call upon me. Isn't that what it says? Call upon me. Who is that? That's the Lord. 
so many times we're prone to call upon somebody else. You know, we'll go to the neighbor or go to a relative and here we've got a need and we go to them with our problem. God says, oh no, call upon me. When? In the day of trouble. And he says, and I will. This is, this is dogmatic, emphatic. I will, no doubt about it. I will deliver thee. What a wonderful, powerful promise that is. And let me tell you, it's just, it's just as good and just as true for you as it was back in the day when the psalmist lived. You, it's a promise that everyone, every one of God's children can claim that promise. That when we call upon Him. But remember, it's a command, but it's not the only command. He also said, I expect you to be thankful and I expect you to pay your vows. You do that and call upon me and we'll do business. That's the promise. I hope you'll claim it. Let's all stand. Father, how thankful we are for the exceeding great and precious promises that you've given. And Lord, there's so many times in our life that we're going through difficulties that we can't explain and things that we can't escape and things that we feel that, that we can't even endure. And I just pray that we might learn from this Scripture that in those times of trouble that we'll call upon You, Lord, that we'll depend upon You, that we'll believe with all of our heart that You're going to do that which You promised. And not only that we believe, but that we'll behave in such a way that's pleasing in Your sight so that when it's all said and done, and whenever we look back and see what You brought us through and what You brought us to, that it'll bring honor and glory to your holy name. I pray you'll meet every need here tonight. Change our lives. And Lord, help us to be thankful for all that you've already done. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and we're going to sing a verse of invitation. And I have no idea what God might be speaking to your heart about. It might be that you just want to talk to God about some difficulty that you're going through. But now's a good time to do that while we sing. Page 150.